Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. How are we doing second campus, second week? For Grace Avenue Church, hey, for those of you who are new uh, to this campus and to our church today, I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Our church is nine years in the making. We've been going about nine years. Started in a living room, moved on to a movie theater. We've been in a building on the other side of town for about uh, six years. And uh, space uh, space was limited. And so after three services there, we decided to expand. And you are the new family for Hebner Oaks. So thank you so much for showing up. Give yourselves a hand. I'm so thankful for our teams that are serving, and I want to welcome our Starcrest campus who's watching by video today, and also you and everybody who's serving. So people in kids, people in parking lot, here early, putting out signs and cones. Can we just give them a hand and thank them for showing up with everything they've got going on? Well, hey, this morning, uh, I want to jump into where we left off last week, Uh, and what I've been talking about this year is... uh, this hashtag and this phrase, to make room. Everybody say, make room. room. Uh, I pulled a few scriptures from Leviticus and Deuteronomy where God really instructs his people that they're not to hoard everything in their life for themselves, but that they're to make room in their life so that the people God is sending can be blessed. He basically says, don't reap to the edges of your field and gather up everything for yourself, but leave some for those who are suffering, the fatherless, uh, the widow, the poor, the foreigner. And God instructs his people. And this is something that, that we carry over into the New Testament, this mindset that we're not just blessed so that we can be blessed. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing to other people. And so it's something that long ago God established for his people. And today we're living in that same mindset and we're making room in our lives. And today I want to talk about making room for your next move, making room for your next move in life. We're all making moves in life. We get up in the morning and we start making moves, getting the kids ready, letting the dog out, letting the cat out. We're making moves in in different ways towards a career, towards a transition in our life towards getting married, towards adjusting to children or moving from an apartment to a house. There's all kinds of moves that we're making in life. And life is full of movement. It's full of motion. It's full of activity. Uh, Every single day that goes by, there's a lot of movement. How many of you feel like at the end of the week, you're like, where did the week go? (laughs) Feels like it just started, right? And all the tired heads just nodded. Yes. I feel your pain. I've got a toddler right now who I had to bribe with M&Ms to quit quit kicking her sister this morning just so we could put clothes on her. I feel your pain. But remember, when we said yes to Jesus, essentially what we were saying yes to was, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go, whatever you want me to do, and wherever you send me. And so we have to remember that as we make room in our lives, as we're building our life, building the dream God has put in our heart, stepping out into the things God has called us to do, raising family, you know, building a business, establishing our career, all those things. Remember, at the core of that is what we've said to Jesus, that we belong to him, that what his will for our life is, is more important than anything else in life. Let me ask you this. Can you remember the last time Uh, I'm sorry, can you remember the first time 
where you were at a place in life in your younger years where you didn't know what was next in life, where you didn't know what your next move was. Maybe it was when you were a kid and you were in elementary school and you knew you were going to middle school and you were nervous about what that was going to be like. Or it was middle school and you didn't know what it was going to be like to go to high school or college or what it was like to start a job. Come on, are you with me this morning? You remember that feeling that you have of that anxiousness of, man, what is, what is next? And then once you get into it, then you think again, well, what's next again? How do I keep the thing that I've been stressing about for so long? See, we've been making moves all our life. Ever since we were kids, we've been making moves and, and changes. I was on my own around 17 years old, 17 years old, kind of just going forward in life. And I think back to some of the moves I was making with no real direction and no real plan and no real vision, just moving. Really wasn't attached to God or God's purpose. It was just movement. And in Christ, we don't just move just to move. We move because we're connected to our source. We're connected to purpose. We're connected to God's vision for our life. Well, today, most everyone here in this room and outside of this room, here in this building, is thinking the same thing when it comes to their next move in life. Everybody's thinking the same things. First of all, everybody wants success. We could agree upon that, right? That we didn't get up and say, it's time to make a move in life. I can't wait to fail. I hope I crash and burn on this next decision for life. No, of course not. We want success. So we all want success for our next move in life. What else do we want? Most of us want a safety net. Because if we hit the ground, we don't want it to be too hard. But we know we got to make a move. But we know that's going to be dangerous, right? For some of us, we want God to make it clear. That's what we're saying right now. God, if you could just make it clear what the move is. Right? We're saying that because why? We don't want to make the wrong decision. For some of us, we're asking God to show us a sign. God, would you just give me a sign? God, show me a blue car. A blue car drives by. Well, actually, that could have been greenish blue. I don't know if that's actually blue. How about another blue car? And then you don't see one. I guess it's just not God's will for me today. (laughs) Come on, we're looking for external signs. We're looking for things to validate the faith life that God has called us to have, the courageous life that God wants us to walk in. We want a sign because why? Because we don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to tell our friends we made a mistake. We don't want to tell our family we've made a mistake. We don't want to look like we've made a mistake. Y'all are quiet, but you know I'm telling the truth. What else do we want when it comes to our next move? We want guarantees. God says, come, follow me. And we're like, okay, what's the guarantee here? And he's like, I'm the guarantee. See, we're looking for guarantees because we know it's going to cost a lot. But we don't want it to cost so much that it costs too much. But we know we need to make a move. In our marriage, in our life, in our family, in our finances, we're pressed up against the wall in some areas and we have to make a move. For some of us, we we want, this is the seat maybe some of you are in. If I didn't get you on those, then this is the seat that you're in. We just want God to make it happen. Oh, God, if it's your will, just make it happen. Right? Because why? Because faith and courage is expensive. 
And it costs us at the core of who we are to make decisions that move our life forward. They move our family forward. They move our finances forward. They move, move who we are as people forward into all that God has for us. You know, when I think about my life, I think about a lot of hours and a lot of days and a lot of weeks that I've spent uh, stressing about things that I can't control. Like when I tally up the, the seasons of life where I spent a lot of that, it's a lot. Like actually too much for me to admit to you today. So I'll just say it was a lot. But anxiousness, frustration, stress, uh, living in this place where I'm afraid to make the wrong decision. I'm afraid to make a courageous decision. I'm afraid to make a faith decision. And what I found out that for me, it's like a lot of other people, we're often stressing about a harvest that we haven't received when we haven't even planted a seed yet. We're stressing about things that are two years away, five years away. Come on, anybody ever say, I sure hope I end up a good parent? <laughs> but your kid's like two? <laughs> it's like, did, do you feed them? Did you bathe them? Okay, you're a good parent. You're, you're halfway there. <laughs> Give them something healthy to eat. Give them a bath and, and put some clothes on them and send them, send them into the day. You're a good parent. But we'll stress about where they're going to turn out at 15. Or when they start going through something at 11, we're freaking out about where they're going to be at 21. If this is what's happening at 11, oh my God, what could happen at 21? <laughs> right? We're, we're worried about a harvest that has yet to come, but we haven't planted the seeds necessary to get there. There's moves we have to make to get to where God has called us to go, but we're stressing and anxious about what right, what's right in front of us. Remember, I've been saying this since the beginning of the, of the year. Your harvest is in your hands. Right? The future is not later. The future is now, and it's right in your hands. And the stewardship of what we do with what's in our hands is really determining the harvest that God could bless us with. So something in us has to rearrange for us to see the next move that God has for us, the next move in life. See, Jesus spent 30 years of his life doing mundane, normal, preparatory type things only to spend the last three years of his life living out and fulfilling the very purpose for which he was created. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of talk about purpose out there, which is really good, but I think a lot of us are stressing about purpose, not recognizing that when it came to purpose and Jesus, it got him accused, lied about, betrayed, <laughs> misrepresented, and crucified. You still want your purpose? Anybody want to volunteer for that purpose? Probably not. See, actually, that three years of life that Jesus spent doing what he was called to do, what he was created to fulfill so that we could be free, is a purpose that was destined for him by God. And Jesus himself was moving. We read in scripture all the time, and Jesus moved from this town to the next, and then Jesus went from this town to the next, healing people casting out demons. He went from that town to the next. Jesus himself lived a life where he was moving in and through the purpose that God had created him for. And I often wonder if we move in life, I just wonder, it's just a question. Is it because we're so concerned with looking important, being important, feeling important, or having others see us as important. Because that's not what we see with Jesus. 
what we see with Jesus is this strong commitment to who God has called him to be, to what he's created to be, and then to live that life out even to the point of his own death. That's hardcore. That's next level. That's reality. But that's the model that Jesus has for us, that fear didn't dominate the next move in his life. That courage and purpose motivated, that faith motivated the decisions he had to make. Just a quick three things I want to I share with you about moves in our life and, and movement. Number one, God himself is movement. Just God in his totality, in his being, who he is, God himself is movement. We read in, in Genesis all the way to Revelation that God is active in history, God is active in society. God is active in the world. God is active not just in the, a grand plan over, over the world and over our life, but God is active in each one of our individual lives. God's active. So God's always moving. We see it in Genesis. It says God, his spirit moved over and hovered over the face of the water. And then we see throughout scripture how God was moving through the Old Testament in the people of Israel, calling his people forward, guiding them through the wilderness. We see Jesus in the New Testament. We see revelation. We see God's plan and God's desire for mankind to really step out of the world of doubt, and out of the world of faithlessness, and step into this place of trust and rest in Jesus. God himself is movement. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says this, that Jesus lives forever and lives to intercede for us right now. Jesus Christ in heaven is now praying for you and for me and for us and for things. He's interceding on our behalf. Friends, God is alive and well in your life, in the moves in your life, in the plan for your life, in what you're anxious about and what you're stressed about. God is alive right in the middle of it. But it's easy to get wrapped up in the next move and think through all the other things that weigh us down about what's happening. Number two, we move to bring God glory. These won't be up on the screen. These are just some things I'm reading. We move to bring God glory. Our next move in life is to make Jesus look good. It's not just so I can have more money. See, as a Christian, I, I let go of all that. Like, if I make more money, man, that's awesome. I'll take it. <laughs> I've got a two-year-old. They're expensive. There was a 13-year gap between the last one and this one, and I forgot how expensive diapers are. <laughs> I'm begging God for mercy. When can we get rid of these diapers? Could have paid for a car and 700 tacos by now. This... <laughs> Is getting expensive. God, I need a move. Get this kid potty trained, right? So we move to bring God glory. It's no longer just about me. When we make moves in life, we understand like, I'm moving so that God would be glorified. I'm taking this job so that God can be glorified. I'm achieving so that God can be glorified. I'm parenting, not just so the kids won't embarrass me and make me look bad which they better do that too. However, I'm praying so that God would be glorified through the moves I make as a parent. I'm praying that God, not that I would just have a happy marriage, but that God would be glorified through my marriage. 
Are you with me this morning? Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, For everything comes from him, Jesus, and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever and ever. Can we think for a second that maybe we're being brought up in a society that's constantly trying to get us to put the glory on ourselves and to rest in the glory for ourselves and to receive the glory for ourselves? I'm not talking about like a congratulations or anything. I'm talking about to really rest and exist in this mindset that we're self-made people and, and we don't need anyone and everything we need, we have. We are everything. We are enough. And, it, and if that was the case, then why is everyone on drugs? Everyone is depressed. Everyone's anxious. Everyone gets the job that they dream yet still isn't happy. Everyone finds the one that they think was the one but is still not happy and it doesn't work out. Why are we always looking external? for things that God makes so clear none of it would bring us glory and sadly none of it will bring us ultimate satisfaction there'll always be something that we're lacking and missing until we connect to Jesus this is where we're often tested in life to give glory to God for the life he's given us here's the third thing about movement God is a sender God sends us. Like as Christians, before we knew Jesus, we were living our own life. We do what we want. We say what we want. We think what we want. We treat people how we want. We use people how we want. It's about us. It's about our life. It's about our dream, about our goal, about our purpose, about our destiny, about our achievements, about how much money's in the account. It's about what I have. And then when I come into Jesus Christ, all of that gets washed away. That's no longer important. It's no longer the goal. In fact, I start living from this place where I now understand that God has touched my life and is now sending me as someone who will touch other lives. God saves so that God can send. God saved you so God could send you. God didn't just save you to make you happy and not feel bad about the past. Or to just give you some answers for this next season in life. When God saves us, God actually saves us to send us. And this is the mindset that has to shift as Christians. When, when we're stuck in seasons where we're waiting for our next move, it can be really easy to get stuck in a mindset where we feel stuck. And we forget that we're sent. When we start getting tested, we can forget that we're sent. That God literally knows exactly where we are. It has purpose for us in and through the season. See, Jesus came on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And he lived on purpose. And God has purpose attached to your life. God's sending you wherever you are thinking of going in your next move in life. God's sending you there. You're not just arriving. God's sending the doors you're praying for God to open are not just doors that will open so that you can be happy. They're so God can use you for his purpose and his glory. Right? Remember I told you I gave the two-year-old M&Ms this morning to calm her down, to keep her from kicking her sister? See, that was small thinking on my part. It's not the big picture. I can't keep doing that. But I know today I can't give you parenting advice because I gave my two-year-old M&Ms to calm her down. But today I had to do it. Because today I realized if I'm going to get out of the house and I'm going to go to two different campuses, I've got to get some clothes on this kicking, screaming, wild-haired kid. So, hey, 
do you want some M&Ms? And her little raging tantrum went to, ah, yes. I said, then stop kicking your sister and I'll be right back. Okay. Got these five little mini M&Ms. Put them in her hand. And she was smooth sailing. See, sometimes you have to make a move in life. Even if it's a manipulative bad move and a bad parenting move. You just have to make it and trust that God's going to cover the excess of what you should have done. But I'm telling you with that example there that that's small thinking. I can't live in that zone forever. I, I can't do that every time she's throwing a tantrum. Just Sunday mornings when I got to get out in 15 minutes. But, but I can't carry that. I, I have to remember the bigger picture of the moves I'm making in life. And sometimes I think that if we're not careful... We're trying to make the next move in life with that small mindset. As long as we get some M&Ms, we'll chill out. I'll be good. God, just give me some mini M&Ms. I'll put them in my mouth and I'll stop throwing my tantrum. I'll stop raging. I'll stop kicking my sister. Hopefully you don't kick your sister, but I would hope that you don't. But that's where we find ourselves. We start settling for the small thing instead of the, the big move that God is trying to get us to see because we're clouded by what's actually happening in the season. Here's three things I've, I've learned from God's movement in my life over the last, I would say, almost 25 years. Number one, you're going to need the supernatural strength of God for your next move in life. It's not enough to have the wisdom. It's not enough to have the knowledge it's not enough to study. It's not enough to have good intentions. It's not enough. And there's a message continually in this world that if you just work hard enough, you're going to get everything that you want. And we know that's not true. Because there are people that you beat out for things and they work just as hard as you or harder or were more prepared or were more privileged or had a better opportunity and they didn't get it and you got it. Or you make moves in life. So we know that's not true. And there comes a time and place where we need the supernatural strength of God to actually do the very thing God has called us to do. And here's what I've learned. If you don't have the supernatural power of God operating in your life, you won't get the job done. You'll show up, but you won't get the job done. You need more than just knowledge. You need more than just wisdom. You need more than just your hard work ethic. You need more than your preparation. You literally need the strength of God. Jesus himself had to lean upon God the Father, not just in his worst moments, but he models this through prayer consistently. We see Jesus doing that all the time. So much so that there were times where Jesus, they thought Jesus would be doing ministry, where he'd be healing people, and the disciples couldn't find him. And where would they find him? Off praying somewhere refreshing, refueling, connecting. What is it about prayer that got Jesus to get away from doing? Come on, because that's what our moves are about. Come on, God, give me this next move so I can do what I want to do. Come on, you, you made me this way. You created me this way. You gave me the talents and the gifts. I want to do, I want to do, only to get there and do and then say, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm tired. <laughs> This kid is expensive. <laughs> These diapers are expensive. This kid's stressing me out. This job's stressing me out. I'm frustrated. This is not what I thought it would be like. Yeah. 
Come on, that's not just your life. That's every single one of our lives. We all have pressures, financial pressures, parenting pressures. We all get sideswiped by emotional or relational or, or physical things, physical ailments, emotional trauma, stuff that we didn't think, we thought we were over and it comes back up after five years. I'm talking to somebody today. So we, we've got to quit kidding ourselves that we've got what it takes. God says there's a supernatural strength that he wants to give us to move in, to live in, and to operate in as parents, as business owners, as teachers, as doctors, as nurses, as leaders, as students, as men and women. He wants to to his people, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord gives strength to his people. Come on. There have been seasons I've gone through uh, and if you're, if you're part of this church, you've known our story the last four or five years, just the stuff my family's gone through. There were, there were times where I did not have physically, emotionally, mentally, anything left in the tank. I'm not talking about I'm having a bad month. I'm talking about it's been a good year. I've got nothing in the tank. I'm empty. Now, hopefully you don't ever have to get to that place, but I can tell you, the only thing that carried me in those seasons was the supernatural strength of God. The Holy Spirit's power giving me the ability to get up and preach, get up and lead, make decisions, be a husband, be a parent, help people. I needed God's strength. I don't know where I'd have been the last five years without God's strength. What empties us of our strength? Think about it. Disappointments empty us of our strength. We've all had our hopes set on something specific, and when it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would, or it turns out different than we had hoped, disappointment affects us. That's a, that's a strength sapper. Like, we can't just gloss over disappointments. I don't know if you're from a family like this. Just work through it, you'll be okay. If you're Hispanic, like me, that, that's what we say. <laughs> Drink a Coke, you'll be okay, move on. You feel sick? Drink some Coke. Drink some Sprite. You'll be okay. You're going to school tomorrow. Just get through it. <laughs> kind of like me with M&Ms. Just be quiet. Here you go. Here's some M&Ms. You'll be okay. But disappointments have a real effect on us as we grow older. And if we don't deal with them, they affect us as men and women. They affect us as parents. They affect our ability to connect with people. When you've been disappointed and someone has let you down when it comes to trust, it's really hard to trust people. Betrayal is not something that's just easily overcome with a few M&Ms or the sip of a Coke. There's some soul work that God has to do to get us to this place where we can rely on his supernatural strength to get us through and to carry us through. We can't gloss over those things. What are other things that empty us of our strength? Unmet needs and expectations. Places that we're living from, believing God for something, believing something's going to happen, and the door doesn't open. The, the door doesn't open. The, the situation doesn't change. The circumstance stays the same. The need is unmet. The expectation's unmet. And we find ourselves slowly being depleted of strength. Other areas are constant conflict. Constant conflict with a spouse. Constant conflict with an ex. Constant conflict with family members. Constant conflict at work. Constant conflict with neighbors. Just constant conflict saps people 
of their strength. Relational chaos is another one. Blindsided attacks. Anybody ever get hit by something that you had no clue was coming for you and someone just comes at you at work? You get a promotion, someone hates your guts now. You take the position, someone else thought they should get it. You got it, now they're mad, now you're the enemy, now they're talking about you. Of course, everybody, from the time you were a job as a teenager to the time you're succeeding in any type of career you, you, you are shooting for. There are endeavors that you're shooting for that other people want that they don't get that you might get, and it causes people to bring blindsided attacks into your life. These can be strength sappers, just as well as hopelessness. When we fall into places where we start to sink into a hopeless place of despair, it is then and through these things I've been talking about where we need the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit working in our life. It's not enough to just read a nice little verse of the day and hope everything's going to be okay. There's a place that your soul and your spirit has to go to and a place of humility where you lean upon God for his peace, where you receive the strength of the Lord and you walk in that. Sometimes the only way to feel it is to walk it out for a while and then look back at how far you've come and say, wow, I preached through those years. Wow, I led a church through those years. How did that happen? I don't know. But God was faithful. God's supernatural strength was faithful. faithful. Who, what, and where do you turn to when you need strength? What's your go-to? Alcohol, another relationship, more work, social media, getting affirmation from social media, getting out of the house, entertainment. What's your go-to? Tacos? God loves that one. That's okay. You can do that one. <laughs> Flour, not corn, by the way. If you're going to do it, do it right. In Jesus' name. Here's the second thing. I've learned about movement. Number two, perseverance instead of complaining. Perseverance instead of complaining. What is perseverance? It's steady persistence in adhering to a course of action, a belief, or a purpose, a steadfastness. Easily put, it means you're able to stay the course in tough times. That's what perseverance is. But the challenge with perseverance is that as Christians, we live at a higher standard. And when we're persevering through difficulty, God's light is shining on us and through us with every word that we say and every move that we make and every decision that we make. So there's a higher standard that we have as God's people. We don't just persevere and persevere. We persevere because we want to represent Jesus Christ in and through our perseverance, which causes us to lean on him even more because there's things we can't persevere through without his supernatural strength. James chapter 1, 4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Anybody have a kid who you ask them to do something and they only do half the job? Clean the room and they leave like everything. You're like, did you even, did you even do anything? Nothing's clean here, right? Like we, you get to those places. I think there's places in our life that are the same way. They're, they're incomplete, God's trying to finish the job and perseverance is the thing that gets us there. Persistence in moving forward is what gets us there. What does he say? So that we can be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You know what that gives me a picture of? Someone like Gandalf. 
or Obi-Wan or Dumbledore, who down the road is mature, complete, sort of lacking. That's vision for my life. I don't know where you want to be in your life, but at 70, 80 years old, my hair is going to be that long. My beard's going to be that long. I'm going to be giving M&Ms to all the children in church who behave, behave, behave. I'm going to be a wise old man. And everybody's going to love me because I'm going to be mature and complete like, you know, that, that's vision for my life. Now, I don't know where you want to be with your life, but I know where I want to be in life, my life. I want God to do the work. I want to persevere through the seasons so that down the road, I'm complete, not lacking anything. So what does that mean? That means that God has to deal with my immaturity. That means God has to deal with your immaturity the place where you're not complete, the place where you want to give up every time it gets difficult. What would happen if you just eradicated from your mind any and every thought that anything about your life was supposed to be easy? What would change? What would change if just for a moment, for, if for 30 days, if you just thought, who told me this was supposed to be easy? And what kind of strength does God want to develop in me so that it's not about it getting easier, but instead in God, it's about me living stronger. Stronger by his spirit, stronger by trusting him, stronger in faith. Here's the last thing we need. Can you hang on for one more point? Last thing. Obi-Wan is speaking. Hang on. Future Obi-Wan. Right now I'm still kind of dumb Skywalker in some areas, but I'm getting there, okay? I'll be old Skywalker eventually. We need wise people, not just friends. Now, come on. Your friends are around you consistently, and they give you life. They give you love. They put an arm around you. They share a meal with you. They encourage you. They tell you everything's going to be okay. Look, we need that in life. But I tell you what we need more in life. We need wise people for the moves we're going to make. If I could go back the last 20 years and tell you just how many people have wrecked their life from decisions that they made without any counsel, without any input from God's word, without any prayer, without anybody else speaking into that, just like that kid who just said, I want that, I'll take it. And what that produces in our life, like at some point we have to say, is the stress that's in my life and the anxiety in my life and the frustration coming from the decisions I continually make, from the moves that I keep making without anybody else speaking into them. Wisdom changes that. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with wise, the wise, and you become wise. Walk with wise people, you become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. But I also tell you, a companion of someone who doesn't have any wisdom, doesn't have any experience, you can also suffer harm from that. We need more than friends. We need wisdom, and we don't get wisdom from the internet. We get knowledge. What we get wisdom from is godly friends who are in our life who will look us in the face and tell us what we need to hear, who will bring us to a place where we cross over into a place of truth instead of error. In a nice way, I'm trying to say, you need somebody who, to tell you that you don't know what you're talking about and that this is a bad decision. And then... You need to persevere through the annoyance of that and the irritation of that so that you can look at yourself and say, maybe you've got a point. I'll pray through that. 
I'll grow through this. I'll listen to what you're saying. Because no one's trying to give you wise advice to shut down your life. Most of the time we get annoyed with people who speak into our life. It's because we don't like what they're saying because there's a huge element of truth to it. And wisdom protects us from the pain that rash decisions, fast movements actually make. It doesn't protect us perfectly. There's still risk involved in everything. But wisdom keeps us from making decisions in movements that call, cause us harm. Years ago, you may have heard me tell this story before. Years ago, I wanted to, um, I had just gotten married. I was in my mid-20s and I was frustrated with the job I was in. I was, I hated the environment. It was toxic. I didn't like anything about it. The people I was working around, come on, anybody feel my pain? You've been there, right? Okay. If your boss is here, don't raise your hand, by the way. It's, you love your job. You're okay. But um, me, it's just a tough place to be. We just got married. We were younger. And I remember a decision came to uh, an old friend of mine called me and had this, quote, amazing business opportunity. How many of you already smell a plot line shifting right here? And, you know, long story short, he was trying to get me to invest in something that he was saying, it's a guarantee can't fail. Guarantee, dude, I'm telling you, this cannot lose, blah, 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 blah. And when you're 26 and you don't like the job you're in and the people you're in and the money you're making, you have the potential to make very unwise decisions in a moment that could shift your entire future. Basically, what he was asking me to do in, in no uncertain terms was to take anything and everything I had in savings and dump it into this uh, wonderful financial plan he had. Long story short, uh, six months left, 25 years, he lost his home. He lost the respect of his teenage son, all because he had continued to build that life. Good guy, but that area of his life just continually wouldn't seek wisdom, wouldn't listen to anybody else. He would just make moves and always found himself broke, always found himself in need, always found himself desperate, always found him breaking the trust of his wife, using the money that she had saved consistently and it broke his marriage. Wisdom will save you from doing that. And it'll set you up for the moves that God has for you in a healthy place where you can persevere and depend on his strength to get through it. That's my hope for you this morning. Whatever strategic moves you need to make, whatever moves for your family, for your finances. Uh, let, me, let me pastor you through this season right now that God knows the moves you need to make. And that maybe the, the stress and the anxiety and the frustration that you've been feeling or sensing has less to do with what you're feeling, but more to do with what God is trying to develop in you. Because maybe it won't get easier. Maybe you'll get stronger. Maybe God's strength in you will show itself in places that you haven't seen before in your entire life. Can I pray for you? You have to say yes when I say, can I pray for you, by the way? Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning with open arms and open hands saying, Lord, we said we'd follow you. We'll go where you want us to go. We'll do what you want us to do. And this morning we're making moves in life. Stepping into a place where we've just made a move, thinking about making a move. 
moves to be better parents, moves to be better individuals, moves to move our life forward. But Lord, you give us the context and the wisdom on how to live life. And so God, we, we realign ourselves this morning and surrender the ambitions that we have that aren't aligned with your will and your purpose. God, this morning where people need strength, I pray that you would give them supernatural strength. Where people need to persevere through difficulty, God, I pray that you give them the ability to persevere. And God, for people who need wisdom, Lord, I pray that they would lean into the wisdom that you provide. That they'd sense your peace and your approval in making wise decisions that will build their life and their future. With everyone keeping their head bowed and their eyes closed for just a second, before we dismiss today and we go on about the week, making moves in life, my question would be to you is, have you made the move that Jesus says is the most important move that not only secures you eternally, but shows you what true life is about. And that's the move to be forgiven of your sin, to step into what he says is salvation, a born again experience, a place where you trade your life for the life that he gives you. Jesus says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you've experienced, what you've come from, what you're going through, what you're doing right now, Jesus says that anyone who does that will be saved, forgiven, given a clean slate. God also says that the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, will lead you and guide you into truth. He'll fill the void. He'll forgive you. He'll establish your path and he'll direct you to every move for the rest of your life. If you need to make that decision this morning, the decision to follow Jesus, maybe you've been disconnected from him. Maybe you've run away from him. Maybe you've never made the faith decision to put your trust in him. God says today that can change today is the day of salvation and if you feel that in your heart and in your mind that that's time for you to make that decision would you just lift your hand so I can see who I'm praying for say today I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior thank you friend thank you friend thank you beautiful thank you friend beautiful understand that God loves you and that what we're about to pray together in no way is God asking you to pay him back for anything what he's asking you to do is to receive the gift of his love and his life and to begin walking with him that's why he says follow me he doesn't say get it perfect tomorrow he says follow me I'm going to lead you and guide you would you pray this with me for those who 
raise their hand this morning and say, Lord Jesus, today I receive your life. And I give you my life. I ask you to save me right now. Spirit, soul, and body. And fill me with your spirit. And lead me to life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, amen. Man, beautiful. Can we give a hand to God for many lives that were touched this morning? Uh, I feel so blessed to just uh, to just be in our, our second week here and to just see uh, hands going up all over the place and to see what God is doing. I pray that today, if this message uh, really moved you forward, uh, that you take that next step and talk to somebody. If if you made a decision to follow Jesus, it's so important that you understand you're not called to do this life alone. And God has not just a purpose, but a, a plan in all of this that's happening to you. Um, secondly, before we dismiss, I, I want to thank you that for those of you who are part of our church family who give of your tithes and offerings, I want to thank you for that and, and just say that there's never been a more important time to give than right now. God is expanding our church and expanding really the vision of and the mission of Grace Avenue across two parts of our city. And uh, first of all, I want to thank you for those who continually just give faithfully. Uh, and secondly, if, if you're considering making this your church home, uh, let me just say this, and I'm not being biased. This is good soil. It's good soil to sow. And there's people from different walks of life and different backgrounds in both campuses different, 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 different stories, different lives, different things people have gone through. And every single week we see people's lives changed. And so it's a blessing to pastor this church and to walk with this whole family with you together. And when you sow in here, it changes more lives. So thank you. I felt choked up trying to say all this, sorry. But thank you for what you're doing and for being a part of what God is doing here. Uh, I had no clue this was part of the big picture that God would have me a part of. So I just feel honored. So sorry, I'm rambling. I love you guys. Thank you. You guys are family. Let's stand up this morning. Let's celebrate what God has done. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.